The Leslie Marshall Show, the only true democracy in talk radio, of, for, and by you, the people, live nationwide and streaming live at LeslieMarshallShow.com. Call in with your thoughts at 888-6-LESLIE. Good afternoon, good afternoon, and welcome to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Michelle Jawanjo on the Leslie Marshall Show. Always great to be with you every Thursday, coming to you live from 3 to 4 here in Washington, D.C. But don't fret, Leslie will be on from 4 to 6 this evening, talking about all things election 2016 with some of the best guests out there, as well as some of the best listeners. And speaking of new listeners, I'm really excited to welcome KEVT 1210 AM in Saharita, Arizona. Welcome to the Leslie Marshall Show family. Yay. Okay. There you go. Um, I can't sing. Otherwise, I would sing something nice. But that's not my gift. You got to know. You got to know. There you go. <laughs> All righty. So if you want to join in in the conversation, and there's a lot to talk about today. We're less than five days away from the biggest election, I think, of any of our lifetimes. If you want to join in, give us a call at 888-6-LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. And I want to jump right into this conversation. And with me, I have some really great guests who are going to continue the convo in studio with me today is none other than a friend of the show. We've had her on before, Beatrice Lopez. She's the Managing Director of Communications here at the Center for American Progress Action Fund. You can find her on Twitter at B-E-A-T-R-I-Z-L-U-T-H-O-R. Beatrice, welcome back. Thank you, Michelle. Thanks so much for being here. And two new friends joining the Leslie Marshall Show family with our great and amazing guest, none other than Tiffany Cross. She's the managing editor of The Beat, which is the inclusive digital tip sheet in in Washington, D.C. You can find her on Twitter at Tiff, T-I-F-C-R-O-S-S, my heart. Tiffany, welcome to the Leslie Marshall Show. Awesome to be here, Michelle. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much. And last but definitely not least is none other than Ashanti Goler. She is the political director for Emerge America, trying to make Make women in elected office a reality. You can find her on Twitter at Ashanti, A-S-H-A-N-T-I, Goler, G-H. O-L-A-R. Ashanti, welcome. Thank you so much. So glad to have you. And I have a power woman studio. We do have we do have some interloper men in here with our <laughs> great producers and team members. But this is a power-packed woman panel right now. So a little girl power going on. So ladies, we are five... Five late, less than five days. Um, it for some people they're like, okay, I just want to close my eyes, wake up, and have this election be over because <laughs> it just feels like we have been in this place forever. Um, but one of the things that I wanted to reflect on is this has been a season with a lot of highs, a lot of lows. Whether it's talking about Donald Trump who wanted to end DAPA and deferred action for childhood arrival arrivals, uh, he's basically said he has a soft spot for world dictators. He threatened to jail Hillary Clinton. There's been a lot of lows in this campaign, um, but at the same time, there's been a lot of highs when you think about the fact that potentially we're on the cusp of um, electing the first female 
president, woman president here in the United States. So what has been a high and low for each of you over this cycle? I love to kick it off. Ashanti, I'm going to let you take it because I can tell what your high is going to be. I think, you know, I think two main highs. The first was the Democratic National Convention. I mm-hmm. thought it was great, especially when they did that video. I don't know if you remember, but of all the male presidents and then the glass shattering and there was Hillary, just the energy in that room. You're like, yes, this is actually happening. Mm-hmm. We have a woman who's going to be, you know, potentially our president. I think she is going to win. Mm-hmm. But then also... That was me not yeah, <laughs> Me too. But then also the difference that it made having a woman on the debate stage. Mm-hmm. I think that it shows that when you have women running, the conversation is very different. Mm-hmm. To have someone call Donald Trump out on some of the lows, the comments that, you know, he has made referring to women, you know, the sexual assault allegations, to have a woman, you know, explain, you know, how choice is a personal issue. Mm-hmm. It's just so amazing. And that's what I have really loved about this cycle is what having a woman, particularly Hillary Clinton, mm-hmm. has brought to this cycle. Kind of changing the conversation and dynamic. It's very different. Yeah, yeah. You can talk about equal pay, child care. Those are things that normally get in a few minutes. Mm-hmm. But for her, it's a large part of her platform. Right. And as women, you know, we're over 50 percent of the population. These are the things that we want to hear about. Mm-hmm particularly younger women Mm -hmm. who are starting to get engaged in the political cycle. Mm -hmm. I've met a lot of young women, and, you know, they've honestly said the first time I was able to vote, it was Obama, so I just voted for Obama. Mm -hmm. You know, now I have to kind of understand, you know, what politics is, how these decisions are made, and they actually turn to the women who are involved because they want to see, well, why are you supporting her? What Mm -hmm. do you think about Mm -hmm. this? So it's also that role model factor as well that you get to talk about when women are running for public office. So Tiffany, highs and lows? So I'm actually going to echo Ashanti's high, but for different reasons. So I would say definitely the DNC convention Mm -hmm. in Philadelphia. It was uh, magical to be there, Mm -hmm. not only because we were making history at the uh, potential to elect the first uh, woman president, but for me, I was so moved and taken by the women who ran the convention and put the convention. Yes. We got to see women of color really Mm -hmm. take charge on that stage Mm -hmm. from Leah Daughtry um, to Donna Brazile. Leah Daughtry was the the chair of the convention. Yeah, Donna Brazile jumped in (laughs) as chair. And even Mayor Stephanie Rollins-Blake of Baltimore. I mean, it was just, I think a lot of us uh, for the past 10 years or so um, particularly when Hillary ran against um, then-Senator Obama. A lot of us have this, uh, as women of color, we struggle with, are we women who happen to be black or yeah. are we black people who happen to be women? women. Mm-hmm. And so to see the confluence of those things come together, not only on stage but behind the scenes as well, was overwhelming for yeah. me. Yeah, that's a really good high. Beatrice, take us low. <laughs> 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 when they go low, we go low. <laughs> I guess uh, for me, I mean, I think when I think about the high and the low, it's comes from the same place. Like the, the seat elections have brought the best of us out there, mm-hmm. uh, especially women colors. But you know, center stage, especially for something that's really dear and near to me, is the immigration issue. Mm-hmm. And you've seen so many of the immigrant voices really come out. Yeah. All yeah. of a sudden, yeah. and and Latino voices as well. But all of a sudden, you have. You know, Arizona being a contender. That's right. And That's right. largely mm-hmm. because of the Latino vote. Yeah. yeah. And But you see this beautiful sort of array of, like, uh, diverse voices, immigrants, you know, black Americans, all sort of 
come out there really much more at center stage. But then it's brought the worst fears among certain mm-hmm. groups mm-hmm. of the countries that we've seen, and where it's just like the this it's much more racist rhetoric that we're seeing, and that's that's like the real low. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. frightening to be yeah. honest. Yeah. Frightening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. This election is significant for a number of reasons. And if you're just tuning in, this is Michelle Jawando on the Leslie Marshall Show. This electorate this year will be the most racially and ethnically diverse ever. Nearly one in three eligible voters on election day will be Hispanic, Black, Asian, or another racial or ethnic minority, um, which is up from 2012. And much of that change is due to strong growth among Hispanic eligible veterans voters, in particular U.S.-born youth. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think, Beatrice, it goes to your point, you know, we have this kind of image of who voters are, and kind of, I think we are now at the place where we have to start rethinking, are we making sure our messages that are inclusive enough to speak to everybody? And I know Tiffany spent a lot of time trying to get inclusive messages out in a town that isn't always that way. Absolutely. <laughs> definitely. Um, thank you. Can I do a quick shameless yes. plug? Um, so yes, we try to cover that in the beat, which is, you know, your um, a, a tip sheet for people of color um, capture um, politics and policy um, in the Beltway. So it's a quick read for the Beltway insiders um, who want to know what's happening in communities of color. And I I would echo um, what Beatrice said and um, what we've seen in this election because after this election, there will not only be a whole new team of players, but there will still be those Trump supporters um, that this race mm-hmm. has unearthed some of the ugly underbelly of this country, and how do we proceed after mm-hmm. that? You know, how do yeah. we live together mm-hmm. and work together and create a democracy? I feel like the American people at this point are like kids in the back of the minivan on a car <laughs> saying, are we there yet? Like, yeah. I want to <laughs> <election laughs> yeah. over. Um, but even being inclusive, and, um, you know, we're obviously, I assume, um, progressive women here and I think it not only um, challenged the state of politics but we even pushed the left more to the left and I think when uh, Hillary Clinton um, addressed the convention and Melissa Harris Perry made a commentary about her um, what she said to the convention audience and she was saying we have to consider um, how other people live and we have to mm-hmm. imagine ourselves I'm paraphrasing horribly but we have to imagine ourselves as single black women or we have to imagine ourselves as let's you know immigration or immigrants rather and Melissa Harris Perry um, appropriately so said even when the secretary says that it's still somewhat exclusive it's still not inclusive because you're mm-hmm. saying to all of you who are on the inside we have to picture those on the outside and we're at that table too and mm-hmm. so I think um, you know Secretary Clinton has done an amazing job mm-hmm. of recognizing her her own shortcomings on some yeah. policy, mm-hmm. um, to much to the credit of people like Melissa Harris Perry, but certainly Bernie Sanders, mm-hmm. um, pushing her more on the progressive agenda. Mm-hmm. So it's just been a, a I applaud her mm-hmm. um, for making those changes and, yeah. and having her voice be more inclusive for communities of color. So if you're just tuning in, this is Michelle Jawando on the Leslie Marshall Show. I'm in studio with Tiffany Cross, Beatrice Lopez, and Ashanti Guller. When we come back, we talk a lot about the presidential, but what's underneath the top of the ticket? So We'll go into the Senate races. Who's up? Who's down? Give us a call. We'll be right back after the break. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show, 888-6-LESLIE.
to Michelle Jawando on the Leslie Marshall Show. Always great to be with you. If you want to join in the conversation, give us a call at 888-6-LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. Now, I wanted to make sure that I I want to take one of these callers, but before uh, we went to the break, we got into a little bit of a conversation about the Senate races. So there's a mm-hmm. lot of conversation, obviously, at the top of the ticket. But me, many of our listeners know I'm a former Senate person, so I have a lot of love. Harry Reid will always be my majority leader. I don't even <laughs> acknowledge yeah. this other person. Who's there right now. <laughs> okay. Um, and so there's a lot of focus to get him back in that space. So what races are you guys really paying attention to in terms of the Senate? I mean, for me, North Carolina is a mm-hmm. huge... Uh, um, but what other races are people paying attention to? Um, oh, well, sir, that's Florida, definitely. Pat Murphy and Rubio. Mm-hmm. I am really, I, I, it's, well, I'm from Florida, so oh, it, it matters, you yeah. know. But um, yeah. particularly because I'm looking at how much of an impact the Puerto Rican vote down there is going to have and how yeah. much it could shift mm-hmm. it. But it's an interesting race. Um, I'm hoping there's a good... Uh, result because I am not a Rubio fan. <laughs> so we'll see what happens, but that is what I'm really paying close attention to. And didn't to. the uh, Center for American Progress Action Fund, didn't you put out some really interesting polling on Puerto Ricans in Florida? We did, we did, and we found, um, you know, interesting enough, we came in at a good time, hopefully to help out Pat Murphy somewhat because what we saw was the Puerto Rican uh, voters didn't know who he really was, <laughs> you know, but it's a really tight race. Uh, but hopefully, you know, they're doing a lot of outreach. There's a great groups who are doing a lot of mobilization, so it's going to be really great, uh, sort of just to uh, just to analyze both the demographic impact there right. and right. to see how how things turn out. That's so. right, mm-hmm. Shanti. Which races are you paying attention to? For me, Nevada. Being from Nevada, All again, right. love Harry Reid. Mm-hmm. You know, being the hometown Las Vegas girl. But right. you know, I also tell people he's just personally been good to me ever since I started out in my career, mm-hmm. and I think that's important to say because yeah. you don't hear that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. how encouraging he is of mm-hmm. people coming up the ladder mm-hmm. and you see that in Catherine Cortez Masto who's mm-hmm. running yeah. to replace him and I think people don't give her enough credit for how mm-hmm. great she is mm-hmm. particularly what she did for Nevada as Attorney General mm-hmm. she was hands down one of the best Attorney Generals we had she was dearly <laughs> loved and I want to see a Latina in the you Senate, know, in the Senate. On, that goes go. back to mm-hmm. what we were talking about yeah. you know what Melissa yeah. Harris Perry's comment that's why we need to have have, you know, women of different races having a seat at the table, too. You know, it, if Hillary doesn't fully understand, that's okay, because guess what? She has Catherine. She can have Kamala. Mm-hmm. All of these mm-hmm. other great women who can help guide her. And jump into yeah. the fold. Mm-hmm. All right, Tiffany, what Senate races are you paying attention? I'm definitely watching California. I think California has been a very colorful Senate race, uh, pun intended. Um, not only do you have two... Um, women of color running for Senate was uh, Congresswoman Loretta Sanchez and um, Kamala Harris, who um, is the AG of California. I think they brought a different um, discussion to the table yeah. um, in this race. And uh, if Kamala's elected, then she too will make history um, and we'll have three black people in the Senate, and I believe for the first time Time ever, ever with Mm -hmm. Tim Scott, uh, Mm -hmm. Senator Cory Booker, and perhaps um, Senator uh, Kamala Harris. So Mm -hmm. I'm definitely excited about that race. So let's go to phones really quickly. We have Ishmael from Virginia. Ishmael, welcome to the Leslie Marshall Show with Michelle Jawando. 
Hello, ladies. Thank you so much for taking my call. Hi. Thanks so much for being here. What's your question? I have a comment and question. I hope on November 9th that uh, President Obama will draw Mr. Ghana nomination and nominate Loretta Lynch for the Supreme Court. I think mm. that would really be a good choice. All right. All right. <laughs> there you go. I know day one. You know I love it when people talk about the courts. But I do think, you know, as we, and unfortunately this time like went by way too, too quickly. But I, let me just ask you all. November 9th, what is the thing that you would want day one for us to focus on? Ishmael, I appreciate the comment about Loretta Lynch and being on the Supreme Court. And obviously, many people know we're over eight months now with waiting for someone on the Supreme Court. So that's something that like, I want to see addressed right away. But on Wednesday, November 9th, um, Tiffany, will kick off with you. What is the thing that you want to see? What are we going to talk about? Well, I'll do another quick shameless plug that on <laughs> November 9th, um, there's going to be an entire uh, new set of players who come yes. to town. Mm-hmm. And so the beats, we will be focusing on what that transition looks like. Right. Um, and instead of pinpointing one singular issue, we'll have our eye on who are the community advocates that you'll have around you at the table that's going to advocate for communities of color. I love that. I um, mean, I think it's too... too vast an answer to yeah. say one particular yeah. answer. But yeah, that's that's what we'll be focusing on at The Beat. And people can sign up to subscribe to The Beat at <laughs> www.thebeatdc.com There you go. Mine is similar at Emerge America. We have 330 women on the ballot this year. So in the next day I look forward to having our women who got reelected, our newly elected women, to start the conversations on how we can better our communities, but also how we can start to heal that's after right. this election. I love it. And yeah. Beatrice, On that healing point, yeah, I'll be really quick immigration reform yeah that is a clear mandate that we're hoping to send november 9th beatrice lopez tiffany cross and ashanti goler my amazing guests in studio for the last 30 minutes thank you ladies we will be back after the hour talking election protection what that means what you should look out for this is michelle jawando on the leslie marshall show life liberty and the pursuit of truth The Leslie Marshall Show, 888-6-LESLIE. And welcome back, welcome back. This is Michelle Jawando on The Leslie Marshall Show. Always great to be with you. So appreciate our guest last segment talking about all things election 2016. If you want to join in the conversation, and thanks to our guest Ishmael from Virginia for calling in. And if you want to join in, give us a call at 888-6-LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. I'm excited because there's been a lot of nonsense in this election about vote rigging and stealing elections. And I'm excited because the people who I have on this panel or the people who are actually making democracy accessible, fair, and open for everyone. Joining me in studio is none other than Eddie Hales, the man with the master plan, as I like to say. He is the general counsel and managing director at Advancement Project. Eddie Hales, welcome to the show. So happy to be with you again, Michelle. Thanks so much. And then none other than Jill Dash. She's vice president of strategic engagement at the American Constitution Society. You can find her on Twitter at Jill, J-I-L-L-D-A-S-S. 
H. Jill, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me. And Dale, first time, but definitely someone who's always out in the field toiling away. Dale Ho, he's the director of the Voting Rights Project at ACLU. You can find him on Twitter at Dale, D-A-L-E underscore E underscore Ho, H-O. Dale, welcome to the show. Me on. Thanks so much for being here. All right, so I want to get right in 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 this because there's been a lot of conversation, and Dale, I'll let you kick it off. You know, there's been a lot of conversation about uh, vote rigging and voter intimidation, um, but I really think kind of the conversation around is this election rigged is incredibly dangerous as we think about turnout. So let the American people know. Um, we have some great new affiliates who just joined from Soharita, Arizona. Let the people know, what is the real deal when it comes to our election system here in this country? Can you rig the election? No, you absolutely can't (laughs) rig the election. You You know, we're going to have well over 100 million votes cast. The margin is going to be, the margin in recent presidential elections has been several million votes in terms of the popular vote. And it's really really next to impossible to rig an election of this size. We have uh, a tremendous uh, uh, election worker staff around the country um, who are going to be doing everything they can to make sure that everyone who's eligible, who wants to vote, is able to vote. So people don't need to be worried about rigged elections, but people should be worried that we have a bunch of laws in place in this election Um, 14 more than we had in the previous election that make it harder for people to register to vote or cast a ballot. And the real threat to the integrity of our our elections is not that there's going to be rigging, you know, at the ballot box. It's that we have these laws that thwart the will of the people by making it harder for people to vote than it should be. Yeah. So, Jill, you spend a lot of time traveling around the country with your affiliates, whether it's your lawyer chapters or your student chapters. Kind of what has been the tone of some of the people that you've been talking to about how they feel about the election going in? Well, I think uh, a lot of people are frustrated because of all of the restrictions on voting. Um, it's uh, really disheartening to think about, you know, Justice Roberts essentially telling us that racism is dead in the, the Shelby County case. It's all gone. That's why we have all of these shenanigans every single day well, as I scroll through black Twitter. churches again. Yeah, uh, yeah but no, that. racism is dead. It's fine. Uh, so, you know, I think it's, it's frustrating. I mean, as you said, I deal with a lot of... Um, you know, lawyers who are coming into their careers and law students, and they really are trying to make the best of it. We had some students at Northwestern that are trying to um, have the university give them election day off mm. so that they can both go vote and also do voter protection work. Yeah. Uh, and many of our other student chapters are working on that as well because it, we make it, in addition to the restrictions, we make it incredibly hard That's to right. vote in this country. It's fantastic to see that so many states have used early voting more mm-hmm. and more. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, there's been a lot of pushback on that. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it's a Tuesday. If you have uh, child care or elder care That's right. obligations or if you have to work an odd shift, I mean, good luck to you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, seeing that so many of the 
previous polling places have been shut down. It just makes the lines that much longer. And yeah. it's a lot to ask people to stand in line for four or five hours. I'm always amazed to see the people who do it. Yeah, the resilience of the American people. So, Eddie, you know, your organization has spent a lot of time kind of on the both the front, line, uh, front lines with your grassroots organizations that you work with, but also in litigation. So what have you really seen as the things that you're most concerned about and what you're watching over the next five days? Well, sure. We certainly have supported local organizing on the ground with strategic communications and, where necessary, uh, litigation. Uh, We're listening to our partners who are telling us uh, where there are long lines, where there are uh, polling place resource allocation deficiencies in certain uh, communities of color in particular, uh, where there are threats of intimidation. We certainly want to respond uh, swiftly and uh, with a great deal of, um, of passion because people are beginning to wake up and realize that the vote is so important that people are making it harder for them to vote because right. it results in decision makers who work in their best interest when mm. people can actually choose the, the candidates of their choice. Well, I so appreciate you making that connection because a lot of times I think pe- we, we often say voting is so important, but we don't tell people why right? Like making it really small for people. Like when you vote, you get to pick whether or not this person will move forward on a policy issue, whether it's child care, whether it's criminal justice reform. And if they don't, we vote those bums out. At least that <laughs> tends to be my perspective. If you are just joining us, this is Michelle Jawando on the Leslie Marshall Show. Give us a call at 888-6-LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. So Dale, you've been involved in a number of what I would say kind of voting rights victories this year what have what has been kind of a really high watermark for you this year uh there are a few cases that i would point to and i'll I'll talk about three in particular one is in north carolina which um the advancement project worked on as well so i want to tip my hat to to eddie um this is a case this is a case where the state of north carolina passed a strict voter ID law, cut a week of early voting, eliminated same-day registration, eliminated pre-registration, where 16- and 17-year-olds can submit a voter registration form and then become automatically registered when they become of age, and uh, ended high school civics programs that were designed to encourage young people to register to vote. Um, Now, when people look at these things, I think, you know, they look at voter ID at first, and maybe some people think, well, what's the big deal? Why is it a problem to ask people to show ID at the polls? And the truth is, for most people, it's not. Ninety percent of people who are registered to vote in the states that we've looked at have photo ID, but that still leaves 10 percent of people who don't. And even when the state says, we're going to give you that ID for free, you have to show some documents like a birth certificate to get the ID, and those documents aren't free. They cost somewhere... 20 to 40 dollars and no one should have to pay that kind of money to exercise the most fundamental right in our democracy yeah. now this case in particular was really remarkable because the appeals court found that north carolina intentionally sought to prevent black voters from turning out at the polls in My- numbers that they had in recent elections they said favorite line from that surgical precision precision. (laughs) they they targeted black voters with surgical precision and just let me give you one example of that the the voter id bill originally let people vote using any form of government issued photo id when north carolina was removed from federal oversight for changes in its voting laws thanks to that supreme court decision that jill 
referenced earlier in 2013. And so North Carolina could make whatever changes to their voting laws they want. They changed that voter ID provision, and they took out certain forms of ID that would no longer be valid for voting. Government-issued photo ID, um, employee ID cards, student ID cards, public assistance ID cards. And when you looked at the numbers, every one of those forms of government-issued photo ID that they banned for voting purposes is disproportionately held by black voters in North Carolina. That's right. And the evidence was that the legislature knew that when they made those decisions. So Too much of a coincidence. Uh, for sure. And as someone who attended law school in North Carolina, um, I this one hit so close to home. Um, and I had a number of friends and colleagues and former law professors who were like, how can you do this to people in a state when all they want to do is access the ballot? It's ridiculous. So when we come back from the uh, break, I quickly want to get, and we talked about this a little bit in the earlier segment, the highs and lows of what this 2016 election has been for you, what you're looking forward to on Wednesday, November 9th, the day after the election. Having it be done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is Michelle Jawando on the Leslie Marshall Show. I'm on with Dale Ho, Eddie Hales, Jill Dash. We'll be right back after the break. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show, 888-6-LESLIE. Welcome back. This is Michelle Jawanjo on the Leslie Marshall Show. Leslie will be with you in the next two hours as we talk all things election 2016. I'm back with my guest for the moment, uh, none other than Eddie Hales. He's the General Counsel Managing Director, Advancement Project, Jill Dash, VP, Strategic Engagement and American Constitution Society, and Dale Ho, Director of the Voting Rights Project at the ACLU. Okay, so, you know, we got to do it highs and lows. I mean, we've had a lot of lows. In this election, we talked about it a little bit on the last segment, but there have been some really interesting highs. And um, as practitioners, people who are out in the field, I really kind of want to get your take. So, Dale, we'll let you go first. What have been some of your highs and lows this election season 2016? Well, the high I think that I was referring to earlier was the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals striking down that monster voter suppression law in North Carolina, yeah. which came came on the heels of a different decision that struck down Texas's voter ID law. Uh, there was another one this summer that struck down a law in Kansas that required people to show birth certificates when they registered to vote. And I don't know about you, I don't know where my birth certificate is. <laughs> I don't know. Not whatsoever. What? I've lived in like seven states. I have exactly. no idea oh where it is. <laughs> right. So, so these great court, court rulings from these courts of appeals around the country that expand access to voting and strike down these um, suppressive laws, I think, have been real highs, you know, but you also mentioned lows, and I I have to tell you, this campaign, the normalization of racist rhetoric um, and and calls to racially profile people at the polls, I think, have been a real low uh, that we haven't seen from a major party candidate um, for president in, in previous elections, and I think are really, really troubling. Yeah. All right, Jill. Highs and lows. Highs and lows. Well, um, let me say um, 
one of the things that has struck me looking at all of this litigation around the country is very often you see the people who are making the decisions in these cases are newly appointed judges to the mm. bench. And uh, you and I talk quite a lot about, about the importance of the federal judiciary and uh, getting judges who are qualified on the bench mm. and courts matter. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes the Article Three judges are treated as an afterthought, but we mm -hmm. see that in uh, every instance, whether it's environmental law, in this mm -hmm. case voting rights law, mm -hmm. um, it, courts matter, and yeah. it matters who's making these decisions. It shouldn't, because to me it's patently obvious that these <laughs> uh, these restrictions are a problem, but it, it does matter who the judge is, and it's important to continue uh, appointing uh, judges who are well qualified and will consider these cases. That's so true. Um, I, I think insofar as some of the newer judges have had the opportunity to rule on these cases, uh, that's definitely a high. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, the lows, I mean, I, I have to agree with Dale. The, the rhetoric has been... Yes, and the fact that it's become so normalized that yeah, people, yeah. Uh, you know, I was uh, waiting to come in here and I was sitting and watching CNN out in the <laughs> lobby and just the the pace of the craziness. And then, you know, after 12 hours, it's on to something else. And yeah. it just, people are bombarded with it and somehow it has become normal and they yeah. forget what happened the day before or the week before. And it's, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how we heal from this. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, people don't know that Eddie is also the Reverend Eddie Hale. So give us a, give us some highs and lows. How are we going to fix our America's soul after this, Eddie? <laughs> well, I always say it's, uh, it, it's all good, and um, we're learning a lot. A lot is being exposed uh, that had been put under the covers, and so once exposed, we can take some specific actions against those things that appear to be uh, lows right now. But I will tell you, as um, my colleagues have said, uh, litigation victories have certainly been a high. Uh, voter registration increases in communities of color where there are shifting demographics. The rise in American electorate has um, shown some very significant boost in voter registration rates, and that's been uh, a high. A low for me in particular, uh, because of the work I, uh, I do, is the uh, striking down by the Virginia Supreme Court of Governor McAuliffe's uh, yeah. executive order right. uh, to right. um, and to just make sure that uh, in a blanket way people with past felony convictions can uh, get their voting rights restored. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm happy to also welcome in on the line Marissa Bono. She's the Southwest Regional Counsel at the Mexican American Legal Defense and Educational Fund. They recently had a major victory in Texas. So Marissa, if you had to answer this question, what have been your highs and lows during this election 2016 season, what would you say? Well, here in Texas, we had a situation where a uh, discriminatory voter uh, photo ID law was um, thankfully enjoined by a federal court just in time for the election, and then local counties have failed to provide correct information for voters. And so it was frustrating to have an initial victory here in Texas only to have voters um, during our early voting period very confused mm -hmm. um, and also to some extent misled and deterred from voting. Um, it, you know, a, a high has been the record turnout here in yeah. Texas. It's been really exciting um, to see the record high turnout uh, and people really coming together to express their right to vote. That's awesome. So 
you know, we are less than five days away. I know many of your organizations, including the Center for American Progress, are part of a nonpartisan um, election protection coalition. But what do you tell, you know, one of the things I tell my girlfriends and family members is just make a plan. If you can't vote early, and I try to get everyone to go and vote early, and you, if you're in the state of Maryland, today's the last day to vote early. But if you can't vote early and you're going on election day, what do you tell people how they should prepare and Dale I'll let you take it then Marissa and then we'll go to Jill and Eddie in the studio to wrap us up. Making a plan is a great idea because you know there have been studies that show that if people take just a few minutes to sort of think about how they're going to fit voting into their day on that Tuesday um, they're much more likely to make it than if you sort of at the last minute try to think when you're you know juggling all of your responsibilities family and work and um, getting everything that you need to get done that day, and then you get to the polls, and suddenly there's this long line at the end of the day. It can be a real, real big problem. So I, that's the first thing. Make a plan. The second thing I would say is that there's been a, there's been a lot of talk about voter intimidation, and it's something that we're looking at. But people shouldn't be afraid of going to the polls. The truth is, is that voter intimidation, while it does happen from time to time, it's not common. Most Americans are going to go to the polls on Tuesday. They're not going to be intimidated or face any kinds of problems they're probably not most americans are probably not even going to see long lines at the polls so people shouldn't be afraid of voting on tuesday it's going to be just fine and but the third thing i would say is if you do see something that looks like it shouldn't be happening you see people trying to interfere with other people's voting rights or with your voting rights call call the election protection hotline that you mentioned one eight six six our vote and report problems that you see and we'll do everything we can to make sure that those are taken care of All right, Marissa, 30 seconds. What are you going to be doing, and how do you tell people to get ready for Election Day? Give yourself plenty of time. I'd say two hours or more. Look into local child care options and take someone with you. That's right. That take a friend. That's right, Marissa. Go and forget most important parts. That's right. That's right. Jill. I I think to the extent possible, know your rights, especially if you've moved recently, know what the plan is when you get there. Um, Do not take a provisional ballot unless you absolutely have to. I think poll workers get a little um, happy with handing out provisional (laughs) ballots as if it's the same thing, and it's not. not. Um, I agree with the make a plan to vote. I also think, you know, realistically, try to pick an off-peak time if you Mm -hmm. want to see some shorter lines. Two o'clock is better than, you know, seven. A.M. Yeah. Probably no one is there at two o seven p.m. No one, no <laughs> yeah. one. Eddie. Yeah, well, uh, Advancement Project's creative communications team put together a playlist of uh, yeah. of woke songs. So <laughs> if you stand in a long line, you can hear some great music to keep you energized, upbeat, and Where is that on your vote. website? I want yes, that Yes, please list. go to the website. You'll Check see it. Yeah, please do. This is Michelle Jawando, The Leslie Marshall Show. Many thanks to my guests, Dale Ho, Eddie Hales, Jill Dash, and Marissa Bono. This is your democracy. Make it work for you, and I'll speak to you after the election. Ah! <laughs> thanks, everyone, and have a great day.